0: What does it mean when your high school pals call you Crazy J Fast Fingers? It's a nickname that shows affection and respect. Johnny Wilson, as some people knew him then, would play jazz with a small group of friends, and he'd be listening to recordings of the formidable Art Tatum. Whitney Balliot tells us Tatum's style was notable for its touch, its speed and accuracy, and its harmonic and rhythmic imagination. No pianist has ever hit notes more beautifully. Each one, no matter how fast the tempo, was light and complete and resonant, like the letters on a finely printed page. Vast lower register chords were unblurred, and his highest notes were polished silver. His speed and precision were almost shocking. Flawless 16th note runs poured up and down the keyboard, each note perfectly accented, and the chords and figures in the left hand sometimes sounded two-handed. Ah, as if Art Tatum sometimes sounded like he had two left hands instead of just one. And other jazz musicians often said what Tatum was playing was pretty impossible. So there's young John Wilson here in Peckville in Lackawanna County, delighting his friends and developing, whether he knew it or not, the capacity to play as if he had three hands, like his inspiration, the late, great Art Tatum. Fast forward to 2017, 18, 19, When John Wilson was a fellow at the New World Symphony in Miami, he had clearly made an impression on the program's founder, the esteemed conductor, Michael Tilson Thomas. John tells us, Later one season, the fellows at the New World Symphony and I played for the conductor workshop, which included the ever-popular conductor audition staple, Stravinsky's Petrushka. Many orchestral musicians know it as one of the most infamously difficult piano parts in the repertoire, and so it was to my slight shock that Michael Tilson Thomas decided to sit next to the piano and listen to everything I was playing. Of course, I relished the opportunity to play this great work directly for a mentee of the great Stravinsky himself. Tilson Thomas could clearly hear something special in Wilson's playing and not long after that, Wilson tells us that he was struck. Later one summer, I was to play some solo Debussy for Michael Tilson Thomas at his San Francisco residence when he mentioned that he had another piece he'd like me to read through. At the same time, the title was Bygone Musings, if I'm not mistaken, and he described it as Gershwin's Rialto Ripples meets Debussy. I couldn't wait to see it. Opened the score, my immediate thought was, how is this even possible to play? Although I could sense it was. I fervently learned the piece over the next day or two and played it for him. And certainly it's not just technique and speed that are John Wilson's gifts. He has an ear, of course, he has perfect pitch, but he has a depth and sensitivity that make him a musician that the world-renowned Michael Tilson Thomas can respect and trust with the world premiere of his new piece upon further reflection. John Wilson has been honored with New World Symphony Fellowships, and most recently with the F. Lamont Belan Scholarship through the Waverly Community House here in Lackawanna County. It's an award that has made possible this solo recording titled Upon Further Reflection, featuring the world premiere of the work with the same name by Michael Tilson Thomas. The Bieland Scholarship was established to provide financial assistance to artists of outstanding aptitude and promise in the fine arts. It is intended to aid the recipients in their development into professional artists. We had a chance to speak by phone with John Wilson in connection with his receipt of the F. Lamott Belan Scholarship and the release of this brand new recording and his performance at Carnegie Hall on February 10th as soloist in the Mozart Piano Concerto No. 9 with the San Francisco Symphony under the direction of Esa Pekka Salonen. We began right here in Peckville.
1: I suppose I hadn't followed the typical path of someone that would be a concert pianist because I started quite late at the age of of 11 and and well into when I was 11 years old. And there are really no musicians in my family at all. So, you know, the exposure I had to music was what you would get in sort of the general public school system of America. and, And Valley View was wonderful. I had so many great influences as a child there, like all of my music teachers. You know, one day I just had this desire to play the piano, and so I begged my mother for a keyboard or anything with keys. I'll play it, I swear, is what I said. And, uh, well, ever since then, you basically have not been able to pry me away from it.
0: We all know about, oh, but I started too late in my fingers and all of those things. So it came from inside then, John. It must have.
1: Yeah, and I know what you mean. A lot of people, they they have the head games over that, and you think, oh, geez, I've lost time or something. But, you know, in a way, it worked to my advantage because I was able to kind of find my own path without any of the regular structure, which could be bad sometimes. You know, if somebody, say, makes you play the piano, then maybe you're not as enthusiastic if you just do it yourself.
0: We know Cheryl Boga, director of performance music at the University of Scranton, invited you to perform there about a year ago. And she remembers when you were a lad and you were playing jazz. So is that what you started with?
1: Yes, I mean, it, it's interesting. I That's another sort of strange thing, if you will. Usually you don't start as a jazz pianist, as a classical pianist. And one of my first experiences was, was being in a, a little jazz trio that I had with, you know, Joseph Boga and Jared lippi and, and a few others and Dale. And I would sort of try and play these Art Tatum transcriptions. I would listen to the recordings and just say, oh my God, this, this man's just... Incredible, and by the way, I still find him untouchable in terms of ability and and his genius. But it was an inspiration, and you know, a lot of it was also just different if you're in Europe versus America, because we, our culture as a as a country, our music is so new compared to you know the hundreds and hundreds of years of Europe. So I found an affinity because it was American music. You know, this this was our language, so that was what drew me to it, and it actually had a lot of influence in the album, actually, when it came out. So in some ways, it sort of is all one through
0: line. Now, you were in high school, and you were playing with the jazz group. When did you start to experiment with classical music?
1: You know, I think one of the first pieces that I started playing, the the Gateway Drug, I guess, was um, Rhapsody in Blue by Gershwin. And I, I played that in high school. And I, I just something about the symphonic color of it and the structure of it drew me into the classical world, and then of course you discover you know Bach and Beethoven, and then the floodgates open, and there you are. And it's not to say that I've actually stopped playing jazz, because funny enough, a number of the recent concerts I've done, like uh, I played with Bernadette Peters recently and Andrea Bocelli a couple weeks ago. You know, you have to you play jazz often with with certain singers and. Classical helps, but, boy, you better know your jazz to, to do those charts. So that was what drew me to classical.
0: So you went from here, Valley View, to Peabody? Yeah. Yeah, I did.
1: And that was just one of my most treasured educational experiences. And it's interesting because so many of our, of our figures in, in the area growing up, like Edward Polichick and Ernest Raghuggini and and many others, That went through Peabody, I sort of looked up to it and I just thought, wow, now I get to go to this amazing, magical place and and just play music all day. I mean, what a life. And I'm still doing that. (laughs) So I love it. It just doesn't feel real. And I mean, I, I learned, it's impossible to tell you how much I learned at Peabody in a way, but it's just when you can get deep into the art form and just focus on it, great things will happen. You know, there's such tradition that gets passed through the generations and. I think we have to always be cognizant of that. It's like in orchestras, you know, every time somebody new comes into the, to the group or a new string player, they say, you know, hey, we do Beethoven this way, we do Brahms that way. And it's kind of like that with piano and music. So I just think it's so important to have that lineage, and I'm very grateful to have uh, known both of those gentlemen. They're just wonderful.
0: Was mentorship important to you when you were in high school and grade school?
1: Absolutely, and I know, and I'm, I have the list in my head, and if I'm just going to start rattling names. So we had high school, my main teacher was Elaine Sosko, and the phenomenal concert pianist, Thomas Rinkio, who I remember so many wonderful things about technique and concept of sound and color, and of course, Ms. Rusnak, Jamie Orfanella, Bob Benemto, and High School of Valley View just kind of sheriffed me through that process. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving people out. It's just one of these things that I could probably rattle off with another 60 people. But when you're playing piano, especially because there's no music in my family in, in terms of formal education, so I was the, the loner finding this, this path. And, you know, Cheryl Boga, as we talked about with her son Joseph, it's, it's already tricky to do it in the business, you know, but it's even trickier when you're the one that's going to discover everything on your own. So absolutely, I credit all these individuals to kind of guiding me through all these life decisions. I should also mention this, Wyoming Seminary, and that actually that happened right at the end of high school for me, like Nancy Sanderson and and all those individuals there that pressed me for Peabody, and it was almost like a mini conservatory.
0: Did you have to specialize at Peabody? Piano performance, for example, and you went beyond just the basics, right?
1: Absolutely, and so when I did go to Peabody and I focused on solo piano performance, when I was in high school, I, I had no idea what the entrance exam would be like for Peabody, which was so difficult. And a lot of it is not just piano playing, but it's theory and history. And so I thought, well, geez, I don't know what music theory is, so let me just open up the history of music theory and orchestration by Wagner and Beethoven, both of their treatises on the subject, and I just read them. And so then I took the exam, and I did actually graduate courses in theory my first year at Peabody. I was sort of obsessed with it, and that helped me understand the knowledge of composition and piano. And so, yes, that specialization is, I think, so key. You, you really have to focus on piano to play the piano. If that makes any sense. It's just the nature of the instrument. It requires all of your attention. And, you know, when I, I was at Peabody, that's such a special place because, of course, you study with your main teacher, and I studied with Marion Hahn and Ben Pasternak there, but it's, it's a unique conservatory where it's almost like a family of the faculty. And I actually took lessons from all of them. I can't go without saying what an influence Leon Fleischer was when I took lessons with him in his master classes there. And just even beyond that, the the man's spirit looms large and will continue to do so there. And all of the theory of of piano technique and sound and listening, it's a unique place. Really, really a special school. And, uh, you know, all these things like Peabody and, and technique and everything like that, you take your whole life how the fingers should be on the keys and how to make different tone and things like that and and that never leaves you very grateful for it for sure and a lot of when i was there sort of influenced me and and drew me to the aspen music festival and ultimately new world symphony which was boy talk about an experience there that is truly truly astounding what was created there by by michael Tilson thomas with the education of that but it goes way beyond education i would say
0: Remind listeners how Michael Tilson Thomas decided to create the New World Symphony and what he had in mind.
1: It was uh, in 1988. There was a discussion with both he and the Arison family and I think Carnival Cruise Lines. And they said, you know, we, we'd love to make a, a symphony for Miami, something that would be based in mentorship, but also performance and unique performance." And at that time, M.P.T., as has, he's called, and pretty much all everyone called him, even, even to him, he created this concept, and I speak for myself and his interpretation of it, of course, that the next generation of musicians would perform multiple concerts per week in a top concert hall, and they would be mentored weekly by this rotating group of top-tier musicians from San Francisco Symphony, New York Phil, Berlin Phil, you name it, just the top virtuosi, of instruments and you would learn and play near them and through osmosis give greater performances and grow deeper as an artist and it's also a place where you have freedom because the new world symphony takes away any of the pressures of like oh my god i have to pay rent i gotta pay for groceries they take care of it all and you live right on south beach miami I think there are worse places to be, uh, we can both say. Um, you just play, I mean, I did. I just played the piano all day, sometimes 13 hours a day. I would be there till 2 and 3 in the morning in, in the concert hall, just playing, just me and the piano, just playing concertos and everything like that. And uh, that was what he conceived. And, boy, there's nothing like it. And, and so many of these musicians are now in orchestras all over the world and all over the country, and it's, it's almost like a big, a big family. One of my first experiences in San Francisco Symphony, the first concert I played there with Michael. I remember backstage, and they said, "Hey, hey, are you from New World?" And I said, "Yeah." And, and they go, "Well, so am I." And then next one says, "So am I." And next thing I know, half the violin section from New World Symphony, and then we all talked about how, you know, we we all talked about the New World things that only we would know. Like, oh boy, we they're not near that hotel, or there was that stray cat that hung around the pool, and and these things. So. Yeah, it's just wonderful to be part of the musical family and and mentorship program there that really builds you as an artist. There's there's
0: truly nothing like it. And you were invited to stay on. Not everyone is invited to stay on cycle after cycle, but you were there a number of years successively.
1: Yeah, so the way it works is, um, well, no one's really sure how it works, actually, but you can apply for a fourth year, and sort of what was going on in my third year was related to this CD. MTT approached me and said, you know, hey, uh, I've got this piece I'm writing. Why don't you come up to the studio and just play it? And, and he gives me the music. And then 24 hours later, I have just sort of practiced about 20, 20 pages of music that were seemingly written for three hands, but to be played with one hand at a time. It was so difficult in concept. And I thought, oh, my God, he's gonna, I'm going to be fired for this. And you know, I went up there, and I played for him. And we kind of worked through this piece. And he talked about the meaning of it, and we eventually just kind of kept playing it, and he would change it, and then I would play it again. And, you know, our artistic relationship kind of grew because I was playing duets with him in the concert hall and for various events like that. And Michael taught me so much about how to shape a phrase, how to play a line, I don't even look at a music score and I I hear his voice in my head. You know, what would MTT do with this phrase? Would he bring up the B-flat? Would he do this? And so it was that process that we were in the middle of, of this music and ultimately the premiere of it. This is the Sunset Soliloquy in 2018. That then led to me staying on a fourth year because there was more to be written on this and kind of more to do with it. And then that kind of snowballed into San Francisco and and playing the next one of his pieces in that set and then that led to the recording of it.
0: Let's go back to Art Tatum and that remarkable dexterity and the ability to manage. It seems sometimes like Art Tatum has three hands, and you were known by your young musical pals here in Lackawanna County as Crazy Jay Fastfingers. You could, <laughs> you could do anything, Cheryl Boga tells me, that you were really just so dexterous that you weren't daunted. You would just take anything on. So you've gone on to be someone as a pianist who can do things like MTT was asking you to do, even though it seems sometimes physically impossible.
1: Absolutely, and it sort of gets into the question of of when music is written. I mean, when people were looking at Beethoven's music the first time, they thought it was utterly impossible. I think, like, Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto, Anton Rubinstein said, this is unplayable, or something like that. Maybe I'm getting that anecdote wrong exactly, but there's many examples, and once you get into it, or say Stravinsky's Petrushka, you you find a way to do it. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess just to sum it up, I like to play I like to play fast.
0: Thank you.
1: It's been a a fun thing and an exhilarating thing for me to do, and certainly MTT's piece has a lot of it, Uh, and a lot of the music I've played recently tends to do that, but music is not just about speed. It's about, you know, you have to tell the story through the notes and at the end of the notes especially. So that said, boy, I, I did they did nail it, I guess, Crazy J Fast Fingers in more ways than one.
0: I love it. Well, let me ask you then, because you mentioned MTT, took you through, you worked with him on the Sunset piece, and he talked to you about the meaning. What was he thinking about as he was putting these notes down that you eventually played?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there was, there's always a transformation when when a composer writes a piece, and, and there's always kind of drafts and things like that. But what's overriding is the feeling of the piece. And I think what's such a special thing is there's this almost soulful Americana nostalgia. I mean, he described the piece to me once as if Sibelius, James Brown, and Bernstein had a child. This is what it would look like. (laughs) You know, in some ways you can hear it. And and I even hear Mahler in, in so much of the writing. And in a way, he might say something like, oh, you know, this is like... Maybe we're thinking of the character of this piece as a person who is accepting of their life at this point, or maybe they've just, this is sort of just cheer, cheerful and sarcastic, things like that. And you let your imagination run wild, because the composer has an idea, and then you have an idea, and then that combination of those ideas creates yet a third idea. And all that is the interpretation of the piece, and there's no into it. It's the creative never-ending creative energies that really keep us going as as musicians like this
0: and you are in san francisco now and is yeah. that because of your ties to mtt and having been there to play is that how san francisco is your base now
1: yeah i mean you know, it's interesting the off the heels of the retirement of a phenomenal orchestra keyboard there robin sutherland who sadly is no longer with us he passed away during the pandemic but The concert that he had retired before was Stravinsky's famous piano showpiece, Petrushka. And they were looking for a pianist, and I guess MTT gave them my name, which was both wonderful and terrifying, because I think the last piece you'd ever want to do with an orchestra you've never met, you know, you don't know their beat, you don't know how they're going to play, how the hall sounds, is arguably the hardest piano piece and it was for their Carnegie Hall tour in 2018. Yeah, and I thought, boy, if I screw this up, everyone will know my name for the wrong reason. And I guess it went well. (laughs) And so they've just kept calling me back ever since. So I'm, what a wonderful place and a wonderful institution, and I'm grateful to be there and play. But that is such an orchestra of great tradition and sound and virtuosity in the players that I feel like every day is, we all teach each other something new. and and just listening to our ideas there. But yeah, that was what brought me to San Francisco. And I've been lucky enough to go on, I would say, two tours, but we had the one in 2020 canceled, unfortunately. But going on tour with them again this spring in Europe with Maestro Salonen and we're doing all sorts of chamber music, uh, Nico Muley's new pieces and also some pieces by Salonen himself. So yet again, more new music and compositions and all sorts of fun like that. Are your folks still in Peckville? They are. They're just just—they're doing great. They're coming to see my concert in February at Carnegie Hall, so I'm thrilled to do
0: that. What a gift for them and for you, both of you. Let's talk about the recording, because you helped us understand about the MTT piece, but it's full of other things, not easy things, too. How did you choose what you were going to include?
1: Interestingly enough, the Gershwin Wild arrangements were something I've always admired, and and when you think of Earl Wild, who was one of America's truly treasured pianists, you know, other than Van Cliburn, William Capel, you think, and of course, Fleischer and many, many others. You think, boy, this man knew how to transcribe Gershwin in such virtuosic, exciting music. And I thought that would go great with Michael's pieces because. Of course, MTT loves Gershwin. I've I've done so much Broadway with him, and we play with Audra McDonald at New World, and all sorts of crossover things that this piece would pair well with that. And of course, Gershwin was one of my original compositional loves. And when I was learning the first piece called "Bygone Begin" by MTT in the set, you know we were we were discussing the music, and I was over his house and playing for him, and he goes to me, oh, you know, Aaron, Aaron Copland was here in that room, John, and you know it's funny and. We were talking about this piece that he wrote later on. And I said, Michael, you know, what do you think would be good with this, this album? What would work with the piece? And I said, I'd play the Copeland Variations, which it's a little tr- tricky for the audience to, to go for because it is such a dissonant, dissonant piece, but it's one of my true loves compositionally. And we kind of talked about it and, thought, you know, boy, the, the sonata, the Copeland sonata is something no one really hears. It's such a great, it's a huge piece. And we were talking and we both kind of came to the same conclusion that, boy, this is probably Copland's greatest solo piano piece, if not one of his greatest pieces at all, just in, in, their, in its entirety. So what better pairing than you've got sort of the grandfather of American music, Gershwin, with Copland, who, who gave us this amazing hopeful message during the World War II years and gave us this distinct sound and harmony as a country. And then it got a through line right up to MTT. And I just think it's a great set that really, they all complement each other.
0: Now, tell us about the roles that the Beelan Scholarship had, because you acknowledge them in the sure. notes.
1: Well, certainly the recording would not have happened without the Beelan. And I am eternally grateful to them for this support, because boy making a CD, they don't tell you how much it costs, but their support in this it was the majority of it, and it allowed me to sort of not have any limitations in the quality. And I, You know, you make a CD, you, you can't just kind of set up microphones and then play to your heart's content. You have to have a producer that listens to your takes and says which ones are the best, and then the engineer has to capture it perfectly, and you have to do it on uh, a piano that will actually sound good. So you've got to have a Homburg Steinway, and those are very expensive, too. and. All these things kind of factor in a concert hall with a great acoustic. And what was even crazier about this experience that I'm the Bieland would not have allowed me to accomplish this with was it was recorded almost in in one of the worst waves of the, of the pandemic during that Delta wave in 21. And we actually had to do remote Zoom sessions where NTT uh, was in San Francisco and kind of working through the piece and going through you know hey because he has to say what sounds good too with music being recorded so we had all sorts of technology that had to go into this and none of it would be possible without the feeling and yeah. you know i um grew up in, in high school of course knowing about the feeling and i'm just thinking off the top of my head all all of those associated with the wyoming seminary like sophie till Vida, ron Sabinsky, these were all my idols growing up and i would always say, oh my my god they they got this Bieland Award. They're so prestigious, and these are all such phenomenal virtuosic players. I really hope one day to aspire to that. So their inspiration as prior recipients was also kind of, you know, it, it, it gives you a goal. It makes you work something, and, and it's just so wonderful that they even exist and support local talent and missions in all disciplines of the art. I just think it's so wonderful, and I'm so grateful to them.
0: brilliant young pianist John Wilson of Peckville in Lackawanna County, recent recipient of the F Lamotte Beelen Scholarship, presented through the Waverly Community House here in Lackawanna County. We've just heard John tell us the Beelan Award has made possible the recording of his new album titled Upon Further Reflection, featuring the world premiere of Michael Tilson Thomas's new work, Upon further reflection that we're hearing here. And we learned that this world premiere of Michael Tilson Thomas's work has been made possible not just through the Beeland scholarship, but also because the composer, Michael Tilson Thomas, worked very closely with John Wilson to bring the piece to its final form. And he, Michael Tilson Thomas, was very much involved with the recording of the album. The recording has been released by A.V. Records, A-V-I-E, A.V. Records, -records av-records.com for more information. We also learned that John Wilson is about to embark on a European tour with the San Francisco Symphony and conductor Esa-Pekka Salonen. He will be the soloist in Mozart's Piano Concerto Number 9, the Jeune Homme, with the San Francisco Symphony and Maestro Salonen on February 10th at Carnegie Hall in New York. His mother and father will be there for their performance, as we heard they'll be traveling in from Peckville. For more information about John, he has a website, johnwilsonpiano.com, johnwilsonpiano.com. bygone begin the opening movement of a new work by michael tilson thomas titled upon further reflection the movements titled bygone begin sunset soliloquy and you come here often performing pianist john wilson the world premiere recording an album titled upon further reflection michael tilson thomas that work aaron copeland's piano sonata and seven virtuoso etudes after George Gershwin by Earl Wilde, recently released by A.V. Records and made possible through the support of the F. Lamont Beelen Scholarship presented to John Wilson through the Waverly Community House here in Lackawanna County. We heard how enthusiastic John Wilson was about the scholarship and receiving the honor of that scholarship and we know that he would want us to tell you that the deadline for application to receive the next F. Lamont Scholarship will be January 15th, so next week. If you are an artist who has lived in northeastern Pennsylvania, at least at some point in your life, and you are making your artistic field your life's work, then you would really do well to go to the website and see what's involved. The award is in the amount of up to $10,000, and it's for the complete range of arts over the last half century. The Arts Scholarship has funded painters, sculptors, photographers, musicians, dramatists, or theater professionals, dancers, writers, architects, those sorts of things. And it is really a distinguished award, and if you have some project or if there's something that you need to do to move yourself from your current position in the art world to the next level of your talents, then consider the F. Lamotte, L-A-M-M-O-T, Beelin, B-E-L-I-N, the F. Lamotte Beelin Scholarship. The submission deadline is January 15th this year, and you can go to the website and read about past recipients, requirements for the application, all those things. BelinArts.org, B-E-L-I-N-Arts.org, F. Belin Scholarship. And it's presented through the Waverly Community House here in Lackawanna County. It's an annual award, and for more information, BelinArts.org.